Hey everybody, I want to take a second to tell you about Snagit 2022. I don't have time to go into all the details about Snagit 2022, but it has a variety of options for fast and easy to use video creation. It's got new ways to work across devices and platforms with the new cloud library. And your purchase or upgrade includes your first year of maintenance and the newly updated Snagit certification course. With 20 plus videos of Snagit how-tos, certification is a great way to help you speed up your workflows, unlock potential, and get your work done faster. So check out Snagit 2022 today at snagit.com. And now, back to the podcast. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, wherever you're watching from. We're so glad that you're with us today. We're glad that you're listening, whether it's live or on the podcast. We're just happy that you're here and joining us because we have, as always, as always, another great guest and another great topic for you here on the Visual Lounge. Today, we are going to be talking and continuing our series about creating instructional video. Because why instructional video? Because it's such an important piece of the whole training learning landscape, especially with this last year that we've had, everyone going remote, having lots of ways, needing a lot of ways to reach out to still continue the learning process inside your organization or to your customers. We wanna make sure that you're up on best practices, things that you can do and hear from so many great experts on thought, their thoughts about creating tutorial videos. And today is no exception. We've got a fantastic guest, so let's just go ahead and jump into the, the introduction for her. And I'm gonna, I should have asked Ashley her how to say properly her last name. I'm sure it gets, uh, you know, as US folk, we slaughter everyone's name. But Ashley Shazan, uh, did I say that right, Ashley? I, we'll, we'll, she'll nod or nod later on. Is an award-winning e-learning developer and senior e-learning developer at Trilantant. I probably said that wrong too. She's authored two books on Articulate Sterline and holds a master's of education from Memorial University, Newfoundland, which is what I love Munn University, so we can talk about that later. She is one of the amazing people in the learning and development community who keeps giving and giving. You can find her often sharing tutorials and other content she's created to help people learn about using tools like Articulate Storyline and others. So with that said, what help me welcome such a wonderful person and individual Ashley to the Visual Lounge. Hey, Ashley. Hi. How much did I slaughter it? I I know I totally Um, killed it. Last name's great, and I'm the senior e-learning developer at Treliant. Treliant. You know, I I think I ask you about every one to two years. Hey, how do you pronounce it again for for our team who uses one of one of their products? And it's like, we'll never. I'll I'll never quite get it right. But oh well. Least of my concerns today. Well, Ashley, we're so glad that you're here and grateful that you're part of our our instructional uh, video series. before we get into the questions and, and chatting some more, is there anything else that we should know about you to help us to, to kind of get oriented around who you are and, and what you're about? Oh, gosh. Um, so I've been a self-proclaimed articulate uh, ambassador for, for years and years. I've been using articulate software for a long, long time. And so for me in the lens of video production, it, it's probably, uh, I'm probably most well known for all of the screencast tutorials that I've I've done that are a bit more informal and uh, yeah. So, so I think that's probably uh, what folks might know me most for. 
Absolutely, yeah, and and I know that, like you're prolific. You create a lot of tutorials. It seems like I think re was it recently that you did like a whole month of like thirty days of, of video tutorials. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I do that mostly to keep myself honest and uh, and set some <laughs> set some goals for myself. Um, but yeah, I usually do a screencast a day in any given month, every now and again. And so I think over on the um, the YouTube channel and website, I think the website has m more than a hundred, probably about one hundred and fifty videos. But on the YouTube site, there's about a hundred of them. Holy cow! So so. So it's safe to say that you, you've at least got some experience in this area of creating some instructional video, right? <laughs> that, just a and that's, little bit. And that's just that your, your personal videos, I'm sure. So before we jump into the video side though, I wanna make sure we're talking uh, some foundational stuff here because I wanna, so let's talk a little bit about instructional design because I think it's, you know, we're talking about creating tutorial videos and, and I, I think in some levels, video is a video of video, but, we're applying a unique perspective to it here, and, and I know that's what you're doing in your the videos that you just talked about. So for maybe those people who aren't familiar with instructional design, could you give us a quick, what is it? And what would you say you're bringing to the table as you start as an instructional designer who's creating video? So I think the, the, the longer bit of instructional design, because it's, it's a, I feel like it's a job title that has a lot of mystique. A lot of people don't really know uh, what it is. So my short form answer is I try to make training and learning uh, suck less uh, because <laughs> oftentimes I feel like self-paced learning and, um, and e-learning gets a bad rap. And so um, that's my short response, but then the the bigger response is really that instructional design is is a field that uh, takes into consideration the all of the teaching best practices, teaching and learning best practices when it comes to um, deciding if training is even the right decision, when um, deciding how to structure content and what delivery mechanisms are going to be used, um, how you're going to um, create and share the training, and all all of the little bits and pieces that go from analysis right through to evaluating the end product. Yeah, for sure. So let's, one of the things I want to talk about, okay, so you talked about, you know, deciding if something needs to be a video, something, you know, kind of that format decision. Can we talk kind of at a high level, what's the process you go through to start making some of those decisions? Because I think it's really easy for me as someone who works for a company that has a tool that does video to say like, oh, of course you should make video. But the re I know the reality is as an instructional designer, it's not always the right medium. It's not always the right decision. So I'm curious for you, what are some of the questions maybe you ask yourself or what are some of the kind of signals that you pick up on and say like, yeah, this actually would make more sense as a video as opposed to a job aid, a handout document, a, you know, whatever else you could choose to do as kind of a medium or format. Yeah, so for me, I I kind of look at it from a a practicality standpoint of um, for the for example, the videos that I create on Articulate Storyline, it's a tool that people do things with and so I can explain how to do something in text and and put that to paper, 
um, but it might not be as meaningful as if you were to watch me do um, a specific task or or use the tool. So I always kind of go at it from from that lens. Um, additionally, if you were talking about video creation in other formats, not just instructional videos, I, I would kind of look at, okay, well, what are what's the goal that we want to accomplish uh, with this? Do we want to provide um, a video-based scenario so that um, the learner will have a some real-world context and be able to go through a scenario and make decisions based on what they they've watched. Um, so I think I think it's pretty practical. My my mindset. Um, I, I think you could have job aids for pretty much anything that you could do uh, in video, but sometimes it's it's a lot easier to show something instead of tell. Yeah, no, ab absolutely. And I, so I love that kind of that line of thinking, right? Like, is it going to make more sense? I, I, I know I like to ask myself, like, it, would it benefit if someone, if I could show someone like looking over my shoulders? Um, I think that just is, is is great advice. I think this is all just kind of helping us level the playing field as we start thinking about making video. So, um, you know, you talked about the articulate videos that you make and, and you're making those on your own to just be so generous. Um, is, is that typically what type of videos you're creating is kind of the, like the step-by-step how-to or are there other types of videos that you like to, that you, you dive into yeah, as well? Most of my uh, storyline tutorials are, are pretty targeted hey, we're gonna, I'm gonna show you how to do a thing. And they're very step-by-step. -step. I do also have a few videos where I'm walking someone through a, a fully developed, like, hey, this is a thing that I built and here's how I got here. Um, more of a, I guess, a stream of consciousness. And- um, we, call that, we call that the director's cut. Your, your <laughs> yeah, director's commentary, yeah. right? <laughs> and, and then I also, um, when I was doing the screencasted days, I there were there were some days where I just kind of wanted to turn my own brain off and build something. And so what I did with those videos was was kind of create time lapses of them. And I think I was calling them relaxing time lapse. And I would put kind of music or an audio track to it and speed up the clip speed and and just allow. It, it, it's interesting because some of those are. are some of my most watched videos. Uh, so I don't know if people are putting me on in the background, just like I put other YouTube videos on in my background when I'm just trying to zone out. Oh, that's that's super interesting. Uh, I know th there's a there's a name for them, um, but typically we've seen them as videos for people doing Photoshop, uh, and they call them speed edits. Like they're making some beautiful some beautiful creation, and it's like it's just that those time off. So that's that's really interesting that that's what people are watching. Because and and I don't you know it'd be I'm curious like the value that they pers they get from it. Is it just because it's relaxing? You got you know, you got some chill music or something or, or what yeah, they get. I don't it. know, because for me, I mean, I, I guess you could follow along a little bit from, from those videos, but for me, from an instructional perspective, I don't know how much you could follow, how much I could follow along with, with a time-lapse. So I think it's more just having something on in the background to zone out to, um, yeah. at least that's what I would watch those videos for, but yeah, I'd be curious if, if anyone has watched those videos of mine, what do, 
<laughs> what do they get out of them? What do they what do they find enjoyable? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so Ashley, you, you we kind of kind of high level. We've established what videos, how you're getting to choose. You know, like decide that it should be a video, things like that. Let's say you're going to make a, a tutorial video, how-to video. Let's can you walk us through your process? Like, so you've decided, yep, we're going to make a video. What does it look like? What steps are you going through to help you to actually get that to that end state? You're, you know, do you have a certain workflow that you use? Are there certain steps that you like? I always do this. I never do that. What does that look like for you? Yeah. So I, I, I think it's kind of been a little fast and loose with me in terms of workflow, workflow and process. Um, however, through the years, I have found some a, a kind of system that works for me where I do have a, a notes doc that I have a list of uh, video ideas that I want to eventually film one day. And so I'll usually grab something from there. Or if, if something comes up that uh, is a bit more timely, I might pick a topic. So choose a topic. And then I usually it, it's it's one of two ways. So if it's something quick and easy, I'll just open up the uh, the tool that I'm using, like Articulate Storyline, open that up, um, get Camtasia on, do a new recording, and I'll just take the user through what I want to show that day. And then I'll stop the recording. I usually will trim the top bit and uh, because there's usually a little bit of like startup time. So I'll trim the top bit and then I'll trim the bottom bit um, just ahead of where you see me stop the recording. And I will kind of edit together those. Then I'll go through, do a little bit of further editing of um, like the audio and um, maybe some visuals if necessary. Um, and then I'll, I'll export. The other option is that I, it's a more complex build in Storyline, and so I will build out the, a fully functioning version of the file so that I have that and take notes, kind of make a script for myself so that I, I make sure that I hit all of the key components of that video. I'll record it. And then I'll go through and usually those longer videos have a bit more editing of my yeahs, ums, all of my kind of, um, I guess, extraneous <laughs> verbal cues to myself. So I'll edit out some of the annoying parts about the video to me. <laughs> and then I'll go through and do um, some audio leveling, cut the background noise out so that I, you're not hearing my dog bark in every single video and, <laughs> and then, uh, finish up and export. Okay. So this is going to lead to one of those, those great debates of, uh, I noticed you didn't mention that you script, you don't script. It sounds like you just talk through it. I'm, I'm yeah. curious now, now I'm assuming you're an expert in the, in the program, right? Like in Articulate, you're an expert. So therefore you have knowledge upon knowledge upon knowledge. So it's probably easy for you to do that versus say, like, if I didn't know anything, I probably would be, if you, you know, if you were going to go make a tutorial on, I don't know, Salesforce, maybe, maybe you're an expert in Salesforce. I don't know. It'd probably be something you'd, would you, would you consider writing a script or is, is that why you're making Absolutely. that choice? Absolutely. I mean, even for the longer videos uh, that I do, I, I, 
do have some format, some form of a script to kind of follow and just keep me keep me on top of uh, what I want to show so that I'm not kind of going all over the place and um, looking as though I don't really have a focus. Um, and also for um, some of the other videos that I've created for courses, I've, I've scripted those out just so that they're, they're very concise and targeted and um, it, not as loosey goosey. <laughs> Right. No, that that makes makes total sense. And I, I think one thing I've, I appreciate about just your description of the process is uh, I feel like a lot of us can get caught up in how the complexity of video editing, right? Like it's 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 a task and there's lots to do, lots of things you could do. But like you just kind of it sounds like you just keep it very simple, which is, I think, very appealing. Absolutely. Um, I think when I first started um, my blog, I very quickly found out that uh, the people that were coming to my website were coming were people like me. They were other instructional designers. They were e-learning developers. They were people looking to get into the field. Um, and so they were really coming for the content. And I already knew that I loved working in um, the software tools that I use. So I, I have written a couple books on Articulate Storyline. I do feel pretty comfortable um, doing those casual, um, just open it up and do it um, type videos. But but yeah, once I started posting a lot of screencasts, people were really coming to the website to get the, um, the training, even though it was very informal training. It, I mean, it could be a novice topic one week and then you'd see something more advanced. It wasn't really structured in a, a sequential type of um, type of order. But uh, yeah, I think because I was producing all of this kind of free content and I didn't have a whole lot of time to, to develop the content because I was working full time and doing my graduate studies full time, um, I was just kind of doing the fast and loose approach uh, and just kind of kind of do it, get it done, put it up there. Um, and so in recent years, I've taken, a, I've tried to get a little bit more, um, I won't say professional because I really feel like <laughs> even today they're, they're not super professional quality, but I, I did try to like add an intro animation so that there's at least some finesse to them. Um, and, and I've tried to become a little bit more um, adept at using Camtasia to, to do my recordings. Well, I'm sure if we ask the audience to tell us whether they think your videos are professional, I, I'm sure they would say they are. So Ashley, if you're, if you're okay, I want to, I want to read a couple comments and get to some of the questions the audience have put in. They've been putting great stuff in here. So first comment comes from HM on YouTube says, hi, Matt Pearson. Hi, special hi to Ashley. Ashley <laughs> is one of my favorite on Udemy. She's a great and honest trainer. So kudos to oh. you, Ashley. Thank you, HM, for that comment. Uh, Ibrahim on Facebook says, I enjoy the fact that you don't lump things together in your videos, Ashley. I mean, the objective for each video lesson slash idea is quite clear. So can, let's, can we talk about that for a second? Because I think that's something that happens a lot is, um, you know, we talked about having a reason for a video, right? Like we're going to choose a video for a specific purpose and videos, as we learned last week with Jonathan Halls, uh, should have an objective and objectives tell you what to keep in the video or what to get rid of the video. So for you, 
how do you make sure you've got the focus right on the objective and you're not too broad hitting too many things or you're not like, you know, maybe I don't know if you can be too narrow, but do you have any kind of thoughts on the process that you use or things that would help maybe others as they're setting their own objectives for videos? Yeah, so I try to keep my my videos very brief. Um, I do, like I said, I do have a few longer form form videos that people have requested, and so I've I've built those out, and I enjoy doing those as well. But I find the very like quick to the point um, style of video format is much easier for me to build out. It's not I'm not covering so many different topics and jumping all over the place in the tool that um, users can't follow around what I'm doing. Um, so I just like to keep them, I try to keep them under two minutes. If I get much further over that, I, I mean, now that I've ported them all over to, to YouTube, I can see when the watch times drop off as well, which is super handy because I can look at that analytic and say to myself, you know, this is what I, I covered in this latest video and, but people are dropping off around halfway through. So maybe I should only talk about, maybe I should have done a dedicated video on topic one versus having both topics in the same video. Um, so getting feedback like that kind of helps guide how, how long I want to keep videos. Now, when I was working in higher ed, I, used to advise faculty members um, who were tasked with putting their courses online. And I worked at a university that um, I think was the regional, um, the first distance learning uh, university in the region. And so they had a television channel that when I was a kid, I remember putting on channel 32 and <laughs> watching <laughs> lectures. Um, and, and they had a lot of faculty members who were very keen on creating video. So when they moved over to the online um, model, they really struggled, some of them really struggled with, um, okay, well, I just wanna record my lecture. And we, we kind of had to have a discussion and say, okay, well, what do you wanna achieve with that lecture? Because I, I'd like to have your videos under five minutes in length each, or like under 10 if we have to push it, but really if you do an hour and a half lecture, your students are uh, are going to be zoning out because nobody's going to focus on a, a video for, for that long or very few students are. So it was all, all about advising them on the efficacy of the videos that they were creating because I wouldn't want to waste my time as a professor recording an hour and a half lecture that nobody listens to or your students write the exam and and are failing because content covered in a video wasn't really retained. So I think it's all about kind of being targeted, being mindful of whatever your learning objectives are and keeping chunking appropriately so that you're not overloading um, their brains. Yeah, that's I, what great advice, the, the chunking piece, right? Because it's you can always create another video. Like you, if you've got an hour and a half worth of content that you have to deliver, you can always break it up and allow people to go through it. And it's, uh, you know, there's probably pros and cons to both. You know, people have to click on another video, but that's, you know, going back 
especially as a student, I, you know, going back to find something so much easier in a five minute video than it is an hour and a half video. There's that one exactly. thing I don't remember. <laughs> right, Plus, right. And then you have to sift through and or timestamp and take notes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and I remember, you know, if we go back far enough, which is now seems like it's long ago, like I remember we had a requirement at TechSmith four megabytes. That was the max size for a video that we were going to post onto our website. Uh, now those days are long gone, but still it's, it's being mindful. I'm, I'm guessing Eastern Canada, not everyone has high speed bandwidth or internet. Uh, so having, being mindful an hour and a half is going to be a lot harder to play for some people than three minutes or five minutes, depending on your audience. Exactly. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great point because we, um, we do have a lot of rural communities here and going back to that university role that I was in, um, we, we did have some stubborn professors who, who were dead set on needing to have their lectures as videos. And so our big argument against doing that was for accessibility because a lot of, a lot of students um, were living in more rural areas that didn't have high speed internet. They may not have had even, even dial up. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so to try and stream an hour and a half long lecture was just not going to happen or, or even joining online, um, like online classes. It was, it was just tough. Yeah. Well, I, I think actually this leads into our next question from our audience. Hemingway, who's on YouTube, says, how to create instructional videos in a low budget and a quick time, particularly for developing countries like Ethiopia? So, I mean, we're talking, you know, I know Eastern Canada is probably a very different infrastructure than maybe Ethiopia has, but there's similarities there, right? Like you've got different types of in infrastructure that's, you know, may or may not be adequate for, for and for the record and I, Ashley, I believe you know this I, I have lived in eastern Canada so I know some of those rural communities and they are quaint and lovely and beautiful but there's not a lot there <laughs> so uh, you know maybe you've got now more when I was there there was really no cell coverage anywhere so it didn't you know cell phones were car phones remember those uh, so mm -hmm. I'm, I'm curious you know thinking about so I think if we take your model that kind of you're doing this kind of easy, we'll call it easy breezy, right? Like you're not stressing too much about, you, you know, your topic, you're putting it in, focus on one thing. Any other advice you would give to Hemingway here about creating videos that would work for that kind of maybe low infrastructure or low budget situations, especially, you know, given that you need to get the information out to, to your audience somehow. Yeah, I mean, I think from a low infrastructure perspective, it would my my biggest piece of advice would be to keep it keep it concise, small and concise. And um, you don't necessarily need um, like big fancy recording a rec big fancy recording setup. I mean, nowadays I'm sure that the microphone and camera on my phone um, is is doing more for me than say the microphone and camera on my, my MacBook, right? So I think that we can do quite a lot with what we have available to us. Um, but in editing those videos, I think you could, you could do a long form, a long form video, but then edit it down into smaller bits so that, yeah, it might've all been one, one big, piece um but giving consideration to the infrastructure and possibly bandwidth 
you're at least um, making an effort to to kind of be conscious of that and uh, conscious of the users who might be trying to view the the video. Um, so yeah, I would I would edit them down, and then you can do a lot of like really creative things like. Um, create a video that also incorporates imagery. So it's not necessarily just a giant video at the end of the day, you might have say a minute of video that you're supplementing points with um, imagery or on-screen text and kind of editing that in, in post. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, that's great advice. I'm, I've, as you're talking through that, you made me think, uh, used to be these, po they were like, Apple had created a podcast with images. They don't do this anymore because it, it was kind of a failed format. But the, the real killer for video is the number of changes, right? Every time you have a change, the codec, codec which in interprets the video, has to process that, right? So that's where file size comes from. So, mm -hmm. and, and then just the amount of data. So for instance, you mentioned camera, like if you can get away without not using a camera and use something like a screen, it's gonna typically, depending on the size you record it, gonna be smaller. So I think there's lots you can do. You know, you can turn your PowerPoint presentations into videos, uh, use the movement and that, that video judiciously, it sounds like is, is really great advice, so thanks. Yeah, and you can also, um, when you're editing your video, you don't have to choose the Cadillac of export settings. So you can play around with um, your settings as well, just to see, how how you can get to a point where you're satisfied with the quality and you're also uh, creating smaller file sizes. Yeah, and then always check with your end users, right? Can they actually do this? I, I think there's a, 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 a friend of mine, and I think Ashley, you might know Sam Rogers, always talked about, you know, it doesn't matter what format it is. If they can't view it at the end, it doesn't matter. It could be the world's best video, but if that, uh, and he always used credit union, but that credit union branch can't see it out in there because they don't have good internet, it, it doesn't work. And so sometimes video in that case m might not be the solution. Um, yeah. Kathy, Kathy Stevens from Texas is asking, is there something such as templates for different videos? Uh, Ashley, I'm, I'm curious, um, and let me just first say, Kathy, yes, there are templates you can use. I know Camtasia has different templates, but Ashley, do you ever use a template? I know you mentioned like a bumper at the beginning of your video, but do you templatize like your kind of the style or are you just kind of going with what feels right at the time? I haven't templatized the style, but I did uh, grab, I'm pretty sure a free bumper off of uh, TechSmith has a lovely library of assets uh, for use with their, their products. And so I did grab a bumper and customized, um, once you have it in there, you can customize it to whatever branding you have or want. Um, so I feel like that has kind of elevated <laughs> the videos, at least in, in my, from my perspective, because it makes it a little less fast and loose for me. I, I need to consider, oh, okay, I'm gonna toss my bumper in there. Yeah, and I, and I would just add, I, I, I think from a templating standpoint, I, I don't know, there, it does seem like we've seen some some bad practices develop with like, oh, the first thing we're gonna do is we're gonna read to you the learning objectives, right? Like we've seen that, we've seen that kind of play out in the instructional design world. Like in this video, you're gonna learn the following three items. And, you know, so, so my advice to Kathy, I guess would be is, you know, find a structure, a, a story structure or, you know, a, an understanding of structure that's gonna work for conveying that message and, and 
use it to help you build, but don't necessarily feel beholden to it. And I think I love what you're doing, Ashley, just giving that little bit of branding, a little bit of kind of a uh, little bit of polish at the beginning just to help people know, probably I, I'm guessing it helps them know who you are, what your brand is, and you know, then they can come to expect all the wonderful things that you already share with, with us, right? <laughs> so uh, one last question here from audience and we'll move on to a couple other questions I have. Uh, Lemuel over on, who's watching over on YouTube, thanks to everybody of course for watching. How, how does user experience and user interface in a video differ? I'm not sure I necessarily understand the question, but we'll pose it and see where we can get to. So if user experience and user interface in video. Uh, any, any thoughts? I'm, I'm not quite sure where, where they're going with that one either. I mean, unless they're um, referring to the, the typical, see, I, I think of that more as using video interface in something like e-learning where you're taking um, elements that are very um, memorable or, or people recogn recognizable rather, um, like the play pause, the previous next or fast forward rewind or closed caption symbol and you're putting those in your e-learning. But um, I'm not really sure uh, where they're going going the other way. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, we'll just say, Lemuel, if you're still watching and you want to put some clarification in there, we can come back to it. We, of course, we're always happy to try to answer questions the best we can. Definitely. Sometimes we don't have the context or the, the meeting. Um, so let's, let's go into another question. So Ashley, you know, you, you've been making videos for a while and I'm assuming that you see other instructional designers, whether in your organization or people that you're working with just out kind of in, in, the, in the world are making tutorial videos. What are some of the kind of uh, we'll call them newbie mistakes that you think people make when they first start making videos. Maybe things that even you, mistakes that you saw. Because uh, obviously, you know, making video, if you're new at it, it's, there's a lot to learn, there's a lot of different steps and things to try to figure out. What are some of the common mistakes and what advice would you give to someone who's just getting started? For me, I think one thing that just drives me nutty is, and I hear it in my own videos and it drives me crazy. So find a quiet place to record because I, I've listened to videos where people are kind of going through and they're, they're recording, but I can hear the traffic in the background. I can hear animals. I can hear people talking like, or maybe the TV. Um, so either go to a quiet place or make sure that when you're editing, you're doing the noise removal um, as part of that process, because as a learner, I do find that really distracting. And, and I recognize in my own videos when I hear my dog barking <laughs> as I play <laughs> back that um, that might be a little jarring and distracting for, for the learners. I also am not a, a huge fan of the... Um, in this video, you're going to learn these three things. Um, as you were kind of explaining a moment ago as it, in response to the templating question, um, I think that you can, you can convey things like learning objectives in a different method than including them in the actual video that you're recording. Um, like if it's a course, uh, I would put it in the intro to the video, or if it's on a, if it's on YouTube, I would put it in the down, description bar. Um, yeah, and I'm not sure. 
there's really that many other other issues that I I mean there's little nitpicky design things like um, when you add a, a call out or a marker on in your video um, using just the the standard kind of Microsoft palette I I feel like every time I see the orange and the green from that palette it it makes a little cell of mine die <laughs> but I I think it's fine. They're fine. It's just not my preference. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think that's, that's interesting. First with the sound stuff, right? I think that's fantastic advice. I, we're, we're big advocates of having good sound here. As anyone that's watched the show will know, we talk about getting, you know, the first thing you invest in is a microphone, but it is, it's so easy. I, I was curious though, with the way the world has been for the last year or so with the pandemic and everyone going home, uh, do you think there's more allowance there uh, than there has been for like home noises? Because, and maybe you've you've been working remote for a while, so it's not a big deal. But uh, I think there's probably a lot of people who that's a new challenge, right? Like, I used to work in Absolutely. an office. I had a studio. <laughs> now I work yeah, in my yeah, I mean, home I think office. Pre-pandemic, we all saw the uh, viral video of the I think it was a news reporter whose daughter had busted into his office, and it was a big deal to kind of drag her out of there. I I think now um, that everybody's or most people have had um, a period of time where they've been working remotely, working from home. There, there've been the pets. There've been the kids. There, there's been the uh, spouse in their office or the the kid doing their homework uh, noise, right? So I, I do think that there is a lot more allowance for that, and and that's a really great point. Um, I mean, I think if you're explaining something very complex, like I don't know, thermodynamics or <laughs> <laughs> something something super intense that uh, that most people don't understand. I feel like maybe you might want uh, to be extra conscious of your quiet space uh, just to help your learners process. Um, but yeah, it, it would actually be really interesting to see the results of like a longitudinal study about like um, like comparing noise level tolerance to noise levels pre-pandemic to post-pandemic and, and um, I guess, efficacy of, of learning environments. That would be really interesting. That'd be so interesting. I, I will say that one of our guests a couple of weeks ago, uh, she's the vice president of marketing at TechSmith came on and she talked about one of the noise challenge. She has dogs and one of her dogs snores very loudly. In fact, I watched a video, uh, I think it was yesterday that she had sent around to the team and you could hear the dog snoring and it was just you know for me it was just funny and it was very endearing to the dog because you know well, what a lucky lucky pup getting the getting the snore but but uh, yeah it would be really interesting to see that study if if things have changed if we've let up and if that will change again right like as things you know hopefully people are going back to kind of normal circumstances or if we just have will now allow enough grace and tolerance. Uh, but I, I agree yeah. with you. It's so important to have good quality sound and, and for complex things or things that you want to come across as like super uh, polished, right? You you want to eliminate that the extra noise. You want to get rid of those things because they are taxing. I think that's the real thing is it's taxing on your brain to hear the dog snoring or to hear kids screaming in the background or whatever, whatever your particular challenge is at, at this time, so. So, okay, um, I think 
what's another question I wanted to ask you here, because this is such great stuff. Um, we talked about kind of the the newbie kind of tips and things that you would tell. Just in general, as you've gone through and created now hundreds of, of videos, have you know from a workflow perspective, um, are there things that you've learned to let go of in terms of video creation? Are there things that maybe you thought about video creation at the beginning when you're just getting started that now maybe don't seem as important or you've learned that you can you can get by without them? Because I think one of the things that, again, we talked about this overwhelming nature of, of like, oh gosh, it's so hard to learn video. Uh, I'm, I'm curious kind of from that perspective of what, what have you realized you don't need to know or do to make a good video? Uh, honestly, I use, I feel like far fewer <laughs> functions that are available to me. Um, and that's because I'm I'm not a video producer. I don't really understand too much about the ins and outs of video production. When I was first thinking about doing these videos, I I was thinking, okay, well, my Mac has iMovie, and now I've got to learn that. And or sh what about Final Cut Pro? I was kind of weighing all of my options, and um, Camtasia was something that I had been familiar with because um, I used to do a lot of screencasts to push out to my coworkers and um, like explainer videos when, when someone would have a question about something. Um, so I was familiar with it. And since then, which is probably almost 10 years ago, I feel like, I, I, I don't know, at least, at least eight, um, I've kind of, tried to pick up bits and pieces of of new things like like educate myself a little bit in the tool but generally I I kind of have blinders on and I'm very focused on okay well this is the video that I'm creating I'm gonna do it I don't really think much about um, the medium so I have played around with I think at the beginning I was having my webcam on my recording so down in the bottom of the corner you would see like the little the little block with me explaining what we were doing and i i think at that time i had thought that it was really important that the user see me explaining it but i very quickly learned that nobody nobody really cares to see me and neither do i so it was it was a a good thing for all of us to just drop that from the format um and then for the the quicker hit videos i don't I, I won't be as concerned about the production value of like making sure it's as polished as possible um as i do for videos that are created for um like courses and workshops those ones i'll i'll focus a little bit more on scripting out and editing thoroughly and taking out all of my ums, ahs, and uh, whatever. Um, and I'll also ensure that the export, the quality settings are higher than just the, the baseline ones. So I, I feel like I'm probably not the best person to ask that question because I, I really don't use the full functionality of the tool. Um, so I kind of just focus on the video and do almost the bare minimum for 
what is involved in my video creation. Now, if I had a role that was very heavy in me creating these videos, of course, it would be a different story. Um, these are just kind of like a free situation that I, I generate for from a content perspective to help people out. Um, so if, if it was part of my role, I would probably have, have a different opinion. <laughs> but you know what, I think that, I think it's a great answer actually, because I think sometimes, and this is just Matt's opinion, is we get so caught up on the bells and whistles, you know, and, and, and we talk about this in other places, uh, throughout TechSmith actually, and, uh, the visual lounge, if you didn't know, for folks that are listening, we have the other show, that's the workflow show where Justin, Andy, and I talk about things. And we talk about one of the shows we talk about transit, actual about transitions, right? Like you, there are, I think 70 plus transitions in Camtasia now and in the current version. And there's no way you need to know all of those. You don't need to know, you don't even need to use, but maybe one or two of them, right? And I think so sometimes in video editing, people get so caught up on the, the big, functionality of all the things it can do when what you're saying is actually really smart when it comes to efficiency, comes to communicate, you're, you're focused on the communication, not on the effects. And those things are all good. I don't, I don't want to say don't ever use them because I mean, we, we have, I have, I work for the company that has a tool that does those things, but I love it because it's, I think that's sometimes instructional designers, leaders, whoever's making these videos get caught up on that piece of it, that they forget that the cut, a cut and a split is super powerful, a simple transition. And then like, like you said, like maybe some bumpers and, and no one cares too much. Uh, in most videos, if you say, um, or, ah, or, uh, you know, you stumble a little bit, right? Like it's very human and endearing. And, and so I, I think your advice is spot on Ashley, that like, just let's keep it focused, keep it focused and simple. And uh, I think a lot of us will become better video editors just by doing that. And then I would imagine uh, that when we do make the additional ad yeah, ads of whatever those effects are, that it makes it more powerful. That, does that make sense? Exactly. Yeah. And I think I think when you when you learn more about them and you know what you like, when you strip it down to the the bare minimum, and then you know what you do like and what you don't like you can kind of make a more informed decision about, hey, is this going to be something that enhances this video or is this the bells and the whistles? Um, just like for me, knowing that I have a beagle and he likes to bark, <laughs> um, being able to like have a function that allows me to reduce the noise uh, in the background that's a very important function for me to know uh, versus, oh, okay, well, I need to, I think I'll choose transition 45 today um, for this right. particular point. So I think it's really just about knowing what you want to get out of the video. And once you, once you know those things, you can go back to your editing software and say, okay, well, how do I make that happen? And you can learn the functions that you need to do the job that you want to do. Yeah, for sure. So one one comment that's coming as we've been talking is uh, graph graph. I can't say it. Uh, I'm I'm terrible with pronunciation. My tongue gets tied. But over on YouTube, Graphicius. Sorry, I really apologize. At least it's not just you, Ashley. <laughs> one thing I wish I knew. They say you don't have to talk constantly and uninterrupted. We feel like we need to fill gaps with words constantly but it's not true. Help me relax and be more clear in my videos. I think what a great, what a, just a great insight that 
you know, I think there's different videos and different things and timing wise you want to play with. But I, I, I agree that not everything needs space. But I think if you don't have talking or something happening, you know, there needs to be something, right? Like a reason for not talking. Like if you come to the show and Ashley and I are just sitting, <laughs> not talking, that might feel that might feel awkward versus in a tutorial video, you can have something happening. Maybe you're saying what happened, what you want, and then you do it. So I think it's a decent. Exactly. Comment. Yeah. I think, I think you can do some lead ins and then say what you're going to do, show what you're going to do and, and um, pace yourself that way. Yeah. Well, we're going to, we're going to move on to our, our final segment here, our speed runs. Uh, but before we do that, Ashley, is there any other advice wisdom knowledge that you want to pour out on upon us before we go into the the speed round questions i think we've kind of talked a little bit about um how intimidating video production can seem and yeah it can there's a lot of different um different considerations i mean when you're looking at just even microphones there's a, a whole range of considerations you can have for microphones and and for your setup but I think at the end of the day, if you just get in there and start, um, like, just start doing the thing, um, try to make your recordings, uh, create some videos, and then use them as a learning experience. Um, if you're if you're nervous getting into video production, and um, record some videos, watch them back, take notes. What what did you like? What didn't you like? What would you like to improve upon the next time? And and then just grow from there. And um, starting is really, I feel like, the hardest part with almost anything. So as soon as you can get out there and start uh, creating videos, I think you'll you'll be um, up and on your way in no time. Yeah, I, I love it. We often, uh, not all the time, but we often end the show, I, I mentioned leveling up every single day. And I think that's to that point, right? Just start, you, you'll get better as you do it. It's, it's just like everything else, practice and intention and you just build and build upon it. So Ashley, thank you so much. What, what a great, great answer. But now let's have a little fun. We're gonna move into our speed round. All right, as we move into our speed round, Ashley, as a reminder, these are meant to be shorter answers. Quick, we're gonna go fast here just to, as we wrap up the show here. Some of these are, I will say some of these are fun. Some of these are, are, are on topic, but some are not. So number one, you can pick one. What's the one effect you would keep in your video creation? Then would you consider noise removal uh, an effect? Yes, absolutely. So <laughs> noise removal. <laughs> awesome. When you're when you're not designing instruction or making videos, what are you typically doing? Oh gosh. Oh. Walking the dog? <laughs> Perfect. The pooches need to be walked. Uh, I know you you are a softball player. What position do you play? I rove. I don't know if that's a, a common I don't know if that's a Canadian position. I, I, or... I don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah, it's like middle between the infield and outfield. Okay, a rover. That's also a thing in Newfoundland, but differently. Uh, <laughs> so question for you, where do you turn for inspiration? So, you know, we talk a lot about video. I think obviously a key thing is being inspired to, 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 to be a, just a creator in general. What, where do you go to get your inspiration? 
I like web interfaces. Um, like I used to go on Pinterest. I know this is long a longer explanation, but like Sorry. Pinterest and look up uh, different graphic user interfaces and and say to myself, oh, that's really cool that somebody did that for a website. How can I build that in Storyline? And I would just replicate what I had kind of made my muse in a different medium. Yeah, that's well. I love that, right? Like pull from things that are if it's if it's good design one place, it can be good design in another place as well. So that's that's a great answer. Uh, maybe I should apologize for this question now. What's the most Canadian thing about you? I love, and again, I'm coming from a place of pure love for Canada. Uh, and my time, I spent two years there. I absolutely love Canada and everything it has to offer. So what's what's but. You know, just like Mich people from Michigan, we're quirky. We say, oop, or oop, let me just scoot you right there by you. Um, well, what would you say is the most Canadian thing about you? I, I have found a lovely uh, Midwestern video that I'll have to I'll have to send your way after this <laughs> that I fills my heart with so much joy because I can relate to it. But um, I would say that I apologize too much. So, so, so I do say sorry quite a bit. <laughs> so sorry for asking you that question. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I, yeah, just wonderful. Uh, so what's one thing uh, that would make everyone better at instructional design? I would say understanding structure and sequence. Like ch we said chunking early, early on, and I am a very big supporter of reducing cognitive overload. And so I think um, learning how to structure and sequence content. Yeah, that, that's a great one. What a, and we could probably have a whole conversation just about that. So if, if people are watching, go go look that up and figure help figure that out. Maybe reach out to Ashley. Uh, two more questions here. Uh, this is also a very uh, Canadian focused one. Uh, poutine or Donaire? Neither. Donaire. <laughs> Because it was, I'm from Halifax, and so it's the uh, it originated in Halifax. It's I think Nova Scotia's food, um, but poutine's also amazing. Yes, and uh, I, I, you know, for those who don't, I think what, should we describe what Donair is real uh, Donair is real quick because I don't think it had not I not lived in Dartmouth, which is right across the bay from Halifax. I wouldn't know what it is. Yeah, so, so a donair is kind of like a Greek gyro, um, except it's it's like a spiced meat that's shaved off of a spit and um, served on a warmed-up pita with usually tomato, onion, and donair sauce, which is the important thing. Uh, the donair sauce is, in Nova Scotia, is served with garlic fingers, people put it on their pizza. Um, and if you look up the recipe, it'll turn you off. But yeah, it's it's like a condensed <laughs> milk, uh, garlic sauce. It's, it's kind of a little strange. But if you Delicious. if you move from out out of the Maritimes, and are living, say, in Ontario or out west, people long for garlies and donair sauce <laughs> <laughs> or if they move back to michigan they do too so okay last question here and it gets a get it gives you a chance to flip the table what's one question you'd like to ask me oh my gosh i when are we going to get together to do our uh 
blog post or videos. We were we were going to do something a long, long time ago, and when's that going to happen? <laughs> you know, uh, let's let's. I don't know exactly when, but let's figure that out and do something because I think. And hey, does this count? Because this is a good start. Sure. Right. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll figure something out. But uh, Ashley, it is just wonderful to, to spend some time with you. You know, I, I normally we get to see each other at, at a variety of different conferences. It's always wonderful to to see you, and it's we've all missed that. So I'm looking forward to hopefully things will continue to get better and we'll be able to, to catch up in person. Maybe, uh, you know, Halifax just really needs a really good learning conference so we can go get some donors together. Uh, that would know, be, right? that would, wow. Wouldn't that be wonderful? But thank you again for just sharing your wisdom, your thoughts. I hope everyone watching today has, has benefited as, as much as I have, because I, you know, this is the best job in the world. I just get to sit and learn and ask questions and, and benefit from, from people that are wonderful like you. So thank you once again, Ashley. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm, I'm so happy to be uh, a participant. <laughs> so r real quick, where, where should people, if they have questions, they want to see some of your work, where should they, they find that information? Yeah, so they can absolutely head on over to ashleychasson.com. Um, the link is under my name here on the broadcast. And I cross post most all of my video tutorials to the website. So if you don't want to go to YouTube, you can find them there. And um, I'm always happy to chat on LinkedIn or Twitter at AMD Chasson. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much once again, Ashley. We appreciate your time and your 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 wisdom, and we look forward to seeing more of your videos uh, on YouTube as well as the other places like your website. So, and we posted those in the different chats so people can get to those there as well. So, thanks again, Ashley. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Well, before we go, we've got one last thing I want to just mention real quickly because it's super cool. We're super excited about. I've got exciting news that TechSmith is actually been given an award. That's right. Uh, we've earned Camta TechSmith Camtasia to name the Employee Training Solution of the Year by Remote Tech Breakthrough Awards. So Breakthrough Awards is an independent market intelligence organization that evaluates and recognize, recognizes outstanding technology companies, products, and services empowering remote work and distributed teams around the globe. And if you're not familiar with Camtasia, go check it out because it can definitely help in those circumstances. As we've learned today about the ability just to make videos and then have people watch them pretty much wherever you might be throughout the world. So congratulations to the Camtasia team for all the hard work. You know, I wish I could say that I, I had a major part to play in it, but I just, I get the chance to work with awesome people who make this awesome technology. With that said, thank you again for tuning in. You can find us on any of our favorite platforms, YouTube, on your podcast platforms, wherever you might be. If you do have a chance and you want to take a second to give us five stars on the Apple podcast or give us a thumbs up on YouTube or whatever platform, however they manage that rating system, please do. It helps us to know what we're doing right. And if you like the content, you can also always email us at the visual lounge. Oh, let me try that again at the visual lounge at techsmith.com. And wherever you are, whatever you might be doing, if you're making videos, images, we encourage you just to take some time to level up every single day until next time. We'll see you next week with number three in our series, Kara North coming on the visual lounge. We'll see you then.